Investment products are not FDIC-insured, not a bank guarantee, and may lose value. Please read other important information, which can be found on the link at the end of the podcast episode. Good morning. I'm recording this podcast from Berlin, where I'm attending our International Council meetings. Um, I wanted to share some thoughts on what's been going on with the equity markets globally over the last month or so. In our Labor Day Eye on the Market, I outlined a few things that I thought would contribute to uh, P.E. multiples falling, Uh, rising Fed policy rates, the end of central bank intervention, rising import tariffs, slowing growth outside the U.S., rising budget deficits, and we we also showed how the elevated level of market concentration was was concentrated uh, in a handful of tech stocks. What I might have underestimated was how much multiples would contract and how the forces I just ticked off would offset the benefit of continued U.S. earnings growth and stock buybacks. And uh, this is just a brief podcast. There's two things I want to highlight that uh, you can see in today's Eye on the Market. First is how do business cycles end? And this is a really critical question. Most people that are still very optimistic on the business cycle are pointing to earnings growth, but that begs the question – Uh, How reliable is earnings growth as an indicator that the cycle has legs? During the last two business cycles, earnings, uh, corporate earnings, economic growth, and equity markets all rose and then at the end of the cycle declined at the same time. But in the prior five business cycles before the last two, equities peaked around a year before economic growth started slowing and a year before earnings started to materially weaken. And so that's why it's important to understand that rising earnings and rising economic growth are not necessarily reliable predictors that the cycle still has legs. There were five cycles in a row from the 60s to the 80s where uh, markets peaked before you started to see weakness either in profits or in economic growth. Adding to the level of risks for the market at this stage – there's, and this is the second topic in this week's note, we have the Lord of the Flies aspect of central bank withdrawal. We're going to go through this more in the 2019 outlook, but I can summarize it like this. For the last 20 years, investors like us have benefited from behind-the-scenes intervention by central banks around the world, whether that was developed world central banks engaging in quantitative easing and the purchase of $14 trillion worth of long-duration securities since 2009, or emerging economy central banks uh, that were purchasing developed world financial assets as part of their FX reserve management. This sounds pretty arcane, but for the last 20 years, the markets have rarely gone – had to survive without the benefit of central bank intervention. For a variety of reasons, next year looks like a Lord of the Flies moment where the markets are going to be left on their own. Uh, The first – extended period for the next couple of years when the central banks will not be intervening uh, aggressively, not in the United States and not in the emerging world. So uh, that's another factor as we start to think about where to go from here. In July, I gave an interview to Barron's that talked about all these risks and why I thought it was the right thing to start playing more defense in portfolios. Now, after the correction we've just had, Let's be clear, you know, sometimes the cure for overexpensive assets is a correction. Uh, P.E. multiples have fallen from around 17 to 15 and a half. Uh, They're still a little bit on the high side versus history, but not as high as they were. 
And, and I do expect equity markets to bounce back a little bit here as they did after the 10% decline we had just in, you know, in February of this year. All that said, uh, based on concerns about central bank withdrawal and all the other risks we've talked about related to rising budget deficits and rising interest rates and, um, and issues around um, what's going on in Europe, uh, the reflexive buy the dip mentality, which has worked so well since, since 2009, there have been about 16 corrections and buying the dip has been the right call each time. I think that reflexive buy the dip mentality is, is a lot less compelling right now. So take a look at this week's note. Um, and again, I think after, after the last few years, this has been one of the most spectacular runs in the history of the U.S. equity markets. We've had a 14% compound return over the last decade. That's only happened a few times since 1940. Uh, it's been a great run, and all things argue to me that it's time to, uh, as we said earlier this year, play a little bit more defense in portfolios. Um, we will uh, communicate with you again right after the midterm elections as we take stock of the results. Thanks very much. Michael Semblist's Eye on the Market offers a unique perspective on the economy, current events, markets, and investment portfolios, and is a production of J.P. Morgan Asset and Wealth Management. Michael Semblist is the chairman of Market and Investment Strategy for J.P. Morgan Asset Management and is one of our most renowned and provocative speakers. For more information, please subscribe to the Eye on the Market by contacting your J.P. Morgan representative. If you'd like to hear more, please explore episodes on iTunes or on our website. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is a communication on behalf of J.P. Morgan Institutional Investments Incorporated, a member of FINRA and SIPC. Views may not be suitable for all investors and are not intended as personal investment advice or as a solicitation or recommendation. Outlooks and past performance are never guarantees of future results. This is not investment research. Please read other important information, which can be found at www.jpmorgan.com disclaimer eotm.